Well, welcome again to another episode of The Unhappy Christian. My name is Dr. Rick Peterson, and I'm your host for this series of podcasts. And what we do here is we talk about how to move away from toxic, unhealthy spirituality tied to religious activity and counterfeit Christianity and into a life-giving, healthy spirituality tied to genuine Christian faith. Now, if you're new with us, I'm going to welcome you to this series of podcasts. I'm delighted that you've joined us, and chances are you have because of the uh, title of the podcast, The Unhappy Christian, which would tell me you probably have some unhappiness at work in your life tied to your Christian experience. And I want to commend you for that, because it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to admit that your unhappiness is tied to your understanding of the Christian faith at this point. Now, that unhappiness is not tied to the fact or represents uh, some kind of failure on the part of the Word of God. I've said this before, and it's very important to understand. It's not as though the Word of God has failed. It's not as though Jesus is not building his church. It's not as though the gospel is not true. It is not as though the Holy Spirit has abandoned you or some silliness like that. It's because you've somehow gotten caught up in a form of religion that while it may use Christian symbols, it may use Christian terminologies, it may call itself Christian, it simply is not. In these episodes, I have talked about the Protestant quadrant of liberalism, dispensationalism, charismania, and hyper-Calvinism, and how that quadrant defines 99% of Western Christianity. And consequently, uh, those are systems within that quadrant that are man-made, and they've been imposed upon the text of Scripture, so that you are not hearing the life-giving message of the gospel. You're hearing some theological system being parroted. And that may suffice for a season, but after a while, your your spirit, your, your heart will long for the life-giving message of the gospel and the voice of your shepherd. And if you don't get that, you will begin to settle into a period of dryness and dissatisfaction and, 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 and thirst for living waters that simply do not exist within that quadrant. Uh, man-made theological systems, man-made traditions will only give you half-truths. And there's no way to become spiritually healthy in a life-giving manner living off half-truths. I've been so bold in the past as to say that the devil himself traffics in half-truths. And he is an angel of light. He appears as an angel of light, and he has his own apostles. He has his own ministers. I know that may sound really radical to some of you to hear me say that, but it's very New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for example, 1 through 15, 1 through 16, will explain that. So the devil is the chief counterfeiter, and there's a good chance that your spiritual condition is tied to the fact 
that you are caught up in some kind of a counterfeit Christianity. And it can't do anything but produce a toxic spirituality. And it's confusing. It's disheartening. It's disillusioning. It's very frustrating and, and heartbreaking to be abused by the clergy or to be simply uh, dealing with a dry, lifeless condition within the church. Or to go to the church in many evangelical circles and find more like a, uh, a concert atmosphere or a, and a pastor who uh, thinks of himself more as an improv comedian or a, um, an inspirational motivator than a proclaimer of the kingdom of God. And chances are, if you got up on Sunday morning, went to any one or number of those churches, you would not hear the gospel. And it is the gospel of what God has accomplished in his Son on your behalf that gives you life, that produces joy, that produces identity, purpose, and hope. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is the identity, purpose, and hope that comes from a genuine understanding of Christian faith and the life-giving, joyful spirituality that can be yours in him. So if you're unhappy and you're stuck in some system or you're stuck in some membership within a local church that has gone toxic, that has become more like cult-like than it is the church, then we're really happy you've joined us. And we hope to be a point of advocacy for you at least a voice that's telling you that you're not crazy. <laughs> it's not your fault. In fact, your unhappiness is most, most likely um, a matter of discernment. How could you be happy in that kind of environment? Some people come to me, I'm a pastoral counselor, and, and I see this in my office during the week, and some people come to me in a severe state of spiritual depression tied to their present Christian experience. And so what we want to do in this series of podcasts is offer you some pastoral guidance, some pastoral solutions, remind you of the life-giving truth of the gospel so that you can get free of that toxic situation. So today I want to talk with you about a couple of obstacles, two obstacles specifically, to being able to find joyful and, and incorporate joyful, healthy, life-giving spirituality in Christ. And those two obstacles are the um, inability to leave home, to be so loyal to your family system, whether it be toxic or not, that you really find it necessary to to compromise your commitment to Christ, to comply with that family system. And then secondly, a religious tradition. A religious tradition that demands something of you that is opposed to the gospel. Uh, a religious system that is empty, that is shallow, that is not creating anything kind of a life-giving experience for you. And yet you are loyal to it. You are devoted to it in some kind of an even irrational way. So devotion to a toxic family system and devotion to a toxic religious system are the two major obstacles for you 
in it being able to find and live in a life-giving joyful spirituality so let me begin then by turning to a text first peter 1 chapter 1 verses 17 through 21 and let me just begin by reading that text Peter says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Not toxic fear. Not tormenting fear. But reverence for God. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last days, these last times, for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God, end quote. Now, the verse I want to f- focus on is found in verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. That is a profound statement. What Peter is saying there is that there's an ancestral way of living that we all inherit from our family system that is so strong, that is so entrenched, that only the blood of Christ can free us from it. Only the blood of Christ can redeem us from it. And that word redeem is very important because it refers to having the need to be bought back We've been sold into slavery, and we need to be redeemed. We need to be bought back from this toxic, empty way of life that was handed down to us by our ancestors. So, let me put it this way. Inasmuch that worldly religion teaches that you must become something that you presently are not, in order to find acceptance with God through the use of ritual, um, obligations, observances, sacraments even. And that includes things like tithing, Sunday Sabbath keeping, the way you dress, what you eat, and so on and so on. The worldly religion though it masks as Christianity, will always tell you, the underlying message will always be that you must become something that you presently are not in order to find acceptance with God. Or, which is even more prevalent, to maintain acceptance with God. Whereas, just the opposite, quite on the contrary, the gospel teaches The gospel teaches that you are um, already redeemed. You have been redeemed. That God has acted on your behalf in his Son to redeem you 
from an empty way of life, to set you free from things that you could have never set yourself free from. That God has already acted in his son and he has already accomplished your reconciliation with him. And that by faith and by faith alone, you receive that. And even that faith is a gift. So that when you exercise faith and you receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, that comes about as a prior work of the Spirit. Nobody simply chooses Christ. We respond to his prior work of grace in our life. We can say it this way. Regeneration of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, precedes our act of faith. God always takes the initiative. And so that God has already accomplished for us, in his Son, all things necessary for our reconciliation with him. And whereas world religion, worldly religion tells you that you must become something in order to find acceptance with God, the gospel tells us that we must now simply work out who we already are in Christ. We don't have to become something in order to find acceptance with God. We work out who we already are in Christ. We become, in other words, who we already are. You are a new creation now. You now are a child of God. You now are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now a member of God's people his holy eschatological people on the planet called the church. The body of Christ. And that is all the result of what God has done on your behalf. And now, the Christian life is simply about working that out. Not in order to find acceptance with God, but because you have acceptance with God, because of what God has done in Jesus. Let me put it this way. You are as accepted before the Father as Jesus himself is. Let that settle in for a few moments. You are as accepted before the Father as Jesus himself is. Because your acceptance is in Christ. It is because you are in Christ by grace, through faith, and realize, as it is realized by the work of the Spirit in your life, that you are accepted before the Father. So, we have this new understanding of who we are. Our unhappiness is tied to thinking that we are same, the same old people we were before Christ. Our unhappiness is, is tied to uh, an old way of thinking, an old way of living that needs to be set aside and we need to be rehabituated, if you will, to a new and living way, to a new self-understanding, to a new paradigm for living 
based upon what God has already accomplished on your behalf in Jesus Christ. So, the Christian life is about becoming who you already are. You have been redeemed from a, an empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. But for many people, many people are so loyal to their family system, especially, and here's the insanity, the more toxic it is, the more abusive it is, the more loyal people are to it. That's the craziness of it. But if you're to be a, a follower of Christ, you must be prepared to make your devotion and your commitment to Him supreme, above even your devotion to your family. That is a gospel principle. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus tells a crowd, let me turn there real quick, it says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is using hyperbole there to say that your devotion to your family cannot exceed your devotion to him. Very important. Now, it's okay, to, it's important, in fact, to be kind, to honor your mother and father to the degree that you're able. It's, it's important to pray for them. So the, the, the hate there is in comparison to your love for Christ. Your devotion to Christ is to be so supreme, so transcendent, so above anyone and anything else that your devotion to your family would appear like hate compared to it. So we've been redeemed from an empty way of life handed down to us by our forefathers. But I can't tell you how many times and how much work we have to do in my counseling office sometimes to help people come to grips with the fact that their devotion to a toxic, abusive family system, whether it's covert or overt, is something that's standing in the way of their spiritual life. Now the second thing we have to overcome is our devotion to a toxic religious system a toxic religious heritage. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus tells a group of Jews who believed in him that if they continue in his word, they are his disciples indeed, and they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. What a message. What a glorious message. But instead, these people responded, we be Abraham's children and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? And as that text develops, these people get into a venomous argument with Jesus. 
about the fact that they are Abraham's children and they don't need to be set free. They end up calling Jesus names. They call him demon-possessed and a Samaritan. And in the final analysis in verse 59 in chapter 8, they pick up stones to kill him. Because he called them to a devotion to himself that exceeded their understanding of their religious heritage. But Paul understood this. In Philippians chapter 3, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaks of his own previous religious heritage before he was in Christ. He says in verse, uh, let's see, verse 4, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen carefully now. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. End quote. Paul is saying that he had to make a clean break with his religious and ethnic heritage in order to be found in Christ, in order to live out his devotion purely to Christ. He says all of his religious accomplishments he had to count as loss. In fact, he even had to count them as rubbish or garbage. I think it's the King James Version. It says that he has to count them as dung, useless, compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Christ. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So those are the two obstacles that people often face, one or both of those, to being able to embrace a genuine Christian faith, a devotion to Christ that is not compromised by loyalties to other people, places, and things. Joy awaits for you. You can be free from your spiritual depression. You can be free from the unhappiness that plagues you tied to your spiritual condition. But you must be willing to set your relationship with your family, your parents, your grandparents, your extended family system in its proper place. And be careful not to allow it, your loyalty to it, to exceed your loyalty to Christ, 
And you must do the same with your religious tradition. I am astonished how devoted people are at times to a lifeless, dead religious tradition or some form of nonsensical um, Christian expression that does nothing for them. There's a lot of worldly religion out there, folks, masking as Christianity. And if you get caught up in it, it's not going to give you life. It's not going to produce joy. It's not going to produce well-being. It's not going to create healing and wholeness in your life. It's going to create confusion, chaos, toxicity, because you aren't going to hear the voice of your shepherd in those systems. A simple truth. That's a simple reality. Now, it has taken me 20 years to come to that reality myself. And I would prefer that it takes less time for you. <laughs> so, let me just summarize. The Christian life is about becoming who you already are in Christ. It's not about as worldly religion will tell you, that you have to become something in order to find acceptance with God. But you have already been accepted. Think of that. Just as spiritual regeneration by the work of the Spirit is a prior work to your faith, God taking the initiative in your relationship with Him, so also... God has accomplished who you already are. He, has already, he already sees you as his beloved child, just as he sees Jesus. And now your job is to habituate yourself to that new paradigm for living, that new state of acceptance. Acceptance precedes repentance, not the other way around. Those are some of the lies that toxic religion will tell you. Toxic religion will tell you that you must repent in order to find acceptance with God. How many people have heard that in their life? How many people believe that today? The problem is you never know if you've repented enough. See, that's the problem with that trap of the devil. You never know if you've repented enough or if you have to keep the law or if you have to tithe enough or if you have to keep Sunday perfectly as the Sabbath. Or if you have to dress a certain way or take wine in the communion over grape juice or some other human standard that gets set up. And you just never know if you've done enough to find acceptance with God. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God has already accomplished reconciliation with himself through his son. And that acceptance precedes repentance. In other words, our hearts are stirred to repentance, not because we're seeking acceptance, but because we realize we have been accepted in Christ. That acceptance was purchased with the blood of Jesus. And there's nothing you could do or, or say to add to it. You dare not, in fact, add anything to it. 
The blood of Christ is sufficient to redeem you from an empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. The blood of Christ is sufficient to free you from a religious system that is so toxic that it's destroying you. Or has this left you empty, or confused, or wandering and wondering? So, work it out in your life. Let me, let me um, close with one more text. 1 John chapter 3. In fact, I'm going to start at 1 John chapter 2 to maintain the context. Verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. End quote. Let me encourage you to take that text and meditate on it. Read it several times and meditate on the profundity of that text for you. You have in here what God has already done for you in his son. And who you are now, not just who you're going to become someday in heaven, but who you are now. And the truth that it has yet to be fully realized. But that doesn't take one iota away from who you are now in Christ. You are now a child of God in Christ. And that will be fully realized in the future. And when we see him face to face, we will be just like him. And the goal of the Christian life now is to purify ourselves from anything that is not of him. So that we can have an ever-increasing conformity to the image of Christ in us. Because that, dear friends is where we will find our true joy. Well, thank you for joining me today for this podcast, Identity, Purpose, and Hope. And we'll continue these discussions in the coming podcasts. I hope you'll join us then. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you want to argue with me, don't bother. But if you, if you have questions or comments, if you have concerns, feel free to send me an email at encounterrecovery at gmail.com. Encounterrecovery at gmail.com. And I hope that you join me for the next time that we have the unhappy Christian and the phenomenon that it is, and we address it in these series of podcasts. May the Lord strengthen you and comfort you in his presence. Until then, amen.